podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. Back after the international break, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by uh, the two stalwarts, two veterans of the scene, Mark Smith. Great to have you. Yes, yes, good to be here, Grits. Thanks for having me on again. Trifecta, Gareth Dobson. Fired up, ready. The big front three. Running, running all all sorts of patterns of play. Mixer, hit it in the mixer. Just clip it out. I've just watched the Burnley game, and I just so want to play on that team. It just fills me yes. full of you know. No, just clip team. up, clip up to you know Wood. Get it up to him. Just get up to the big lad. Well, we're going to talk about. Me. I want to talk oh. about the uh, the Burnley strikers in a bit. So let's not go too hard on them straight away. All right, no worries. What you boys been up to, Mark? I I, I think I saw you in a. On a, on a what do you call it, a visual podcast? As, as you were streaming visual something podcast. last, you were same, <laughs> it felt like it. It felt like you know, it felt like. Twi- you were hey, hey, listen, Granddad, it's called a Twitch stream. All the kids are all the kids are on it. It was a never-ending football sort of. It was like an elongated podcast. It was almost like a like one of those things you see for children in need, but I'd probably you know not raise any money just because it yeah, went on no. too long. But I think you can. I think you can sharpen up. It was really nice. They had some Scottish bloke on there chatting absolute biscuits for for a while. Yeah. Well, what, what Chris is talking about, uh, listener, is uh, I've got a Twitch channel now. You can find it at uh, Twitch. I think it's twitch.com forward slash good old smudge. Is it .tv? Twitch.tv forward slash good old smudge. That's my PR man there, Gareth. Nice. We'll just let's bring him back in, Gareth. Sorry, we just cut you off before I even spoke to you there. Uh, perhaps the happiest of all three of us after this weekend. What a glorious weekend to be a Spurs fan! It's it's one of the better ones, I'll be honest. It's uh, it's a strange time in in this world. So yeah, that pretty much made my weekend. I have to be completely honest. Let's go straight into it. I, I mean, like, uh, you watched the game. I take it. Uh, yes, it was um, remarkably. You know, the pulse. It didn't race really at any point, which is maybe the biggest compliment for, for Spurs. Usually they drop at least two clangers at the end, but it was incredibly assured. I, I, I can't work out whether it was a general sort of listlessness from Manchester City or Spurs was so well drilled finally and they, they just enacted the game plan so perfectly that it was probably the most kind of incident-free, you know, I guess... Uh, game between you know Spurs and City I, I can remember well you who, who are you picking out of that performance then because that Spurs team it always felt like it was only one or two players away maybe the right players away from being a more solid unit because that's all it really takes at this level isn't it but I mean you, you see Lloris have a have a bad spell and then it's a wool it tails of wool for the next six weeks for him or whatever but this this Spurs team seems a little bit more resolute it does and I for me, the the biggest kind of progress is is that made by by Eric Dyer at centre back, and uh, you know Alderweireld is kind of returning to probably you know some of his best form, which I really thought was was a little past him. You know, he he looked like he was on the outside looking in to start the season, that Mourinho wasn't entirely sure um, about his future in the team, and I, I think that you know Sanchez turns out wasn't the answer and he's had to go back to those two and it, it felt like Dyer's you know best game for Spurs in that position he's now played 
centre back, I guess, for a good kind of six nine months, and you know, may, maybe this is the results. You know, you obviously need to play a position for a period of time to really kind of nail it. But it was, yeah, I, I thought they played remarkably well, and then yeah, that kind of confidence and that assurance just moved for the side. And, and then the other one is um, is Hoiberg, who you know probably quietly is amongst the best signings of the season. You know, he was not an expensive buy, especially when Spurs pretty much balance the books by sending Carl Walker Peters back to Southampton as well. So yeah, it was, you know, brilliant business by, you know, Mourinho obviously identified him and, uh, Daniel Levy brought him in at a good price. And I think everyone's pretty happy there at the moment. I think the balance of that role is how, how important that defensive midfielder role is less about the player themselves and how they, it's how they play with the others around them. So like, with, as you said, with Dyer in, in Hoiberg, I've always been along term admirer of him uh, but in terms of his, his work rate he goes about the game without you, you don't notice what he does so much all the well not necessarily in every game but in games like that when you see uh, Mourinho's embrace with him at <laughs> full time oh yeah you know that he must and, be doing something right and one of the things you know that one of the most famous uh bits in last season sort of Amazon all or nothing documentary was you know Mourinho calling everyone uh, a c-word telling them they were they were nice ones and they should be terrible ones. And yeah, you parachute someone Heiberg in and he's a terrible one. He's an absolute <laughs> prick. Uh, and he's, you know, all, all good teams. It does seem, you know, have one of those and he definitely gets, yeah, he, he, you know, he fights and he gets the team going. He spurs them on and, you know, Spurs have always kind of traditionally sort of missed that player and, or certainly an effective one. And that's the other thing. You know, Spurs have had a few, you know, terrible hard lads but they were terrible at football and you know this one is definitely you know he's he's you know competent sounds like a sort of a backhanded compliment but all he needs to do is do his job well he does it incredibly well and then everything else he brings to the team is i think is is a is a huge contribution well yeah, absolutely mark uh, man city you're always banging on about how much you love city how good you think they are i mean this is finally the nail in the coffin for that chat this is it? not this is not true martin that is that has been your tune for the last three seasons um, i agree with everything gareth said there um and i would also extend his um his point about needing the sort of the nastier players in the side to say that Man City don't have anyone like that at the moment. When Fernandinho's not on the pitch, they've got no one who I think is willing to shit house and sort of bite and scratch and fight their way through a game and, and not be bullied. Um, and I think that's part of the problem Man City have alongside with the fact that I don't think, and I've said this loads of times on this podcast and on my stream on twitch.tv forward slash good old smudge. I don't think they have enough uh, scary players. I'm not scared of Man City anymore. I look at their team sheet and I think, yeah, there's some really good players in there, but there's only two or three and it's not like it used to be. It's just not like it used to be. And I think, no. you know, Pep signed this new contract I think he is basing that on behind closed doors promises that he's going to get another rebuild. And I think he's going to get another half billion quid. And I think that's the only way he knows how to build a, a sort of a football, footballing empire. Let me ask you a question on that then, Mark. I, uh, in terms, is that where Pep sometimes might fall short in the rebuild phase? Because, I, you know, I saw some excellent pieces at the weekend saying yeah. very much that. And I know, listen, everyone can be quite reactionary and, and judgmental and say when we know how good they are and they've, they've suffered a lot of injuries. But the rebuild phase is the hallmark of any manager that wants a legacy. You know, Ferguson was brilliant at doing that, wasn't he? I mean, he was a master at it. But other, ma other managers, like even Jose, has been brilliant at it. Been knowing yeah. when to I mean, refresh. Klopp's, Klopp's midway through one now. There you go. Yeah. We're starting so, to I see mean, it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely... 
Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right to bring that up. I think that we haven't really seen him do it successfully before. Um, look, I'm not going to start being a, a, a fraudiola Twitter account, <laughs> but what I am going to say is that when he was at Barcelona, he had maybe the greatest ever club side, and a lot of that was sort of just given to him, right? You, you don't, you, you're a lucky manager if you get Lionel Messi in his prime, and you get oh, Xavi, yeah. and you get Busquets, and you get Iniesta, and you get, you know, the list goes on. Now, I'm not saying he didn't create some wonderful football with them, and and you know, he he. He's part of the reason they were so good. But when he's gone to Bayern, he didn't really achieve what he wanted to. At Man City, he has been phenomenal for a couple of seasons. But like you say, it's it's the churn. It's the reason why it's the reason why Spurs have got Jose now and not Pochettino, because Pochettino wanted to churn those players and Spurs wouldn't let him and you know, et cetera, et cetera. The rest is history. So we're gonna we're gonna see now with this new contract for Pep. Who can he bring in? There's no there's no one in the world he can't attract to that club. He's still one of the biggest names in world football. Man City, you've got unlimited money and a, a very attractive uh, proposition for anyone, really. Ancos um, is lovely this time of year. It's, it's a beautiful yeah, place, but never, exactly. I would always highly recommend that. But if you can attract, you know, if you can attract the players they've had over the years, then there's no reason why, there's no there's no ceiling on who you can attract to that club. I mean, by all accounts, Messi was willing to join them. So, we'll just see what happens. I mean, I don't know, he's trying to, he's, he's trying to, I feel like he's trying to play the same football as he was one year, two years, three years ago, but with the personnel that maybe aren't quite up to it. I look at that side now and I think that even compared to last season where they weren't particularly good, they're definitely worse this season. There's no scary players, man. It's just, no. uh, yes, Mares I think is, is really good, but he doesn't seem to play in every game. Sterling, obviously great. Aguero, when fit, is great. And De Bruyne is great. And that's sort of it. I'm not scared about their midfield. And unlike Liverpool where they have centre midfielders, with the exception of Thiago, central midfielders that are quite functional rather than outstandingly skillful individuals. Klopp's side know how to play to Klopp's system exactly. And you can fit anyone into that system. Anyone from the squad can fit in, as we saw at the weekend against Leicester. Man City don't have that. And for that reason, they don't seem as scary. So we're, we're going to see what happens. They've, they've won three games out of eight so far this season. That's, yeah, that's really that's poor. We've been hammering damning. on the Solskjaer all season. Yeah. They're doing worse than United with a much better squad. Yeah, that's damning. Speaking damning of uh, Guardiola's sort of interestingly timed contract, given yeah that he doesn't always seem to hang around. My my incredibly cynical theory is that it's entirely tied in with the fact that for the next two years we're going to see Lionel Messi at Man City. Um, ah. Pep is obviously the broker there. You know, was came out in the summer and was like, yeah, you know, I think I think Messi needs to you know do another year at Barca and really finish his legacy properly. Hint, hint, nod, nod, wink, wink. So, you know, they'll both turn up together, have one more punt at the Champions League, and and ride off into some sort of um, you know Dubai-based sunset in, in a couple <laughs> of years. I think that's an interesting one because that will be the first that yeah. that will be the acknowledgement of fans back fully, uh, maybe arrested Messi after a Euros. I don't quite know how that worked, but um, uh, Gareth, I'd like to last take on that game. Spurs, are Spurs only Spurs problem for challenging for the title here? Do you think that this is a squad that's good enough? Do you think there's other teams? Because I think they proved themselves with this game that they, they can, they're up for the fight. They are, and you know, it's almost telling to me that Mourinho is refusing to talk about it, which means that it's something he's really <laughs> thinking about. Um, I will say, I was talking to some fellow fellow Spurs fans about this yesterday. This is, I'm sure it's the best Spurs squad I've ever seen. Um, yeah. In terms of, you know, right now, 
this season, you know, there's a lot of players in their prime or or sort of thereabouts players who are sort of coming into their prime. I mean, you know, Son's 27, Kane is 27. Um, you know, you've got a couple of older players. It, it is kind of a real, you know, it's a rare Levy situation where he's assembled a squad which is built to win now. It's not about next season. It's not about, you know, the future or, or promise. It's about delivery. And um, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think, you know, I think Spurs are contenders. Whether they win is a very different question but yeah they are contenders and, and they definitely plan to be as well they're on a weekly they're in our weekly cycle now so yeah that's, a, yeah that's always a good saying isn't it mike I, I also want to say that as much as i've sort of uh, slated man city there it shouldn't detract from how good spurs are like gareth said this is this is without a doubt the strongest spurs squad i've ever seen um and we're in jose's second season anything can happen man. anything can happen before the inevitable sort of flame out next season we can enjoy some happy jose some some of that fun jose because you know what when jose's in a good mood i sitting on my sofa am willing to run through brick walls for that man i love that man. <laughs> it's true it's true. As soon as you get to season three, I'm done. I'm out. The just, things you're willing to do from that sofa, Mark, I just you make me proud every day of knowing yeah. you. Um, Twitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. I, and we'll come back onto that in a bit. Uh, the Milner situation. I, I enjoyed the, the, the he summing up the the Liverpool experience. Let's come. Let's come on to Liverpool because we touched it. Uh, on it briefly the man pops up right back slotting through passes for Mane the guy whips in the corner for uh, Firmino which was a fin- I-, I loved that header uh, Bobby Firmino he's that kind of player that you know again relentless um, a, a relentless lead in the line but also waiting for his chance you saw like after watching that Palace game tonight watching the Palace strikers just slowly fade away rather than these you know the, the hunger of the Liverpool players is just kind of infectious isn't it and, and you know a complete performance against Leicester, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I touched on it a minute ago. This Liverpool squad, I think, is just so impressive. I'd go as far as saying that that sort of performance against Leicester is as impressive as anything I've seen from them in the last three years. You've got to remember, they've lost, I mean, several key players. Van Dijk's not there. Trent's not there. Salah's not there. Henderson wasn't playing, was he? Was he playing, Henderson? I don't think he was. No. They're missing... Yeah, Yeah, Keita was there, and he went off injured. There's another one. Exactly. But it's just like, you've got... You've got... Half your half your first team are out. All your leaders are out. And yet Klopp has drilled into this side exactly what their job has to be. That you can take anyone. You can bring in, you know, um, Nico Williams. You can bring in Curtis uh, Jones. And they're obviously good players, but they can just slot in so well that I feel like if all their team were out, I still fancy Liverpool to win somehow. They, they just grind out results so well. And then they have this amazing level of quality in their front three positions that you're never safe playing against Liverpool. I think it's unbelievable what they're doing. I think what Klopp is, it's not dissimilar and I hope it excuse an NFL reference here, but I know Gareth will appreciate it. It feels like a Bill Belichick Patriot side where everybody knows their job. Everyone knows exactly what they've got to do. And that's why you can, you can dip into the under 23s or the reserves and pull out other, other players and slot them in and it just works. And of course it helps that they've got someone like Jota. Of course it helps that they've got Firmino and Salah and Mar. The list goes on. But that that team is so impressive. So impressive. Especially Leicester. Leicester are the best team away from home this season. And they just got destroyed at Anfield. Well, well summed up, Gareth. Well, I appreciate the the, the NFL reference. Uh, do your job. Um, so I... <laughs> I, I came to bury Leicester and I find myself sort of praising Liverpool. I, I thought um, 
you know, I have a lot of doubts about Brendan Rodgers and his kind of ability to really make it count when he needs to. And these were, you know, it sort of reminded me of, you know, last Christmas when Leicester versus Liverpool was this huge game in anticipation. And then Liverpool just turned up and absolutely blew Leicester away and, you know, just basically crushed them. Um, this time, more mitigating circumstances, it, it looks like the players that Leicester were missing affected them a lot more than, um, you know, the Liverpool situation, but and that speaks to I think you know the the great quality and depth of of Liverpool, but and you know like you were saying, Mark, just the overall you know system and the ability for these players to come in and and play within this frame framework and understand what you know what was required of them. Um, but yeah, more than that, I was just so impressed with how Liverpool played. It's probably they're in their best spell really since what January, since the turn of the year. Um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of doubts coming into this year, whether it, well, obviously if they kept playing like they finished last season, they, they weren't going to be in this position and they're playing a lot better. And that's with half their side missing. I think that yeah. um, they, you know, I, I assume they're the favorites to retain the title and, and they should be. And there it is that be, sense yeah. where you look at them and, and they know what to do. They, you know, they go in expecting to win and they'll get it done somehow. Um, and, and and the other thing, you know, you were talking about the rebuild, uh, the signing of Diego Jossa was is, is incredible. You know, yes. Um, I just said that Hoiberg was signing the season, but Jossa's you know certainly up there. Um, yeah, he obviously he was a lot of money, but he was unheralded. Um, he was you know not necessarily a first choice at Wolves. He was a promising player, an interesting player, and now suddenly he yeah. looks. So they identified him, didn't they, as someone who can absolutely play that system. And let's not also let's not forget that arguably the best centre midfielder in world football at the moment, Thiago, is still to come back. He's still to come back into this side. I mean, it, it's, it is ridiculous. Spurs, if they want to win it, they're going to have to be 15 points clear by the time Kane gets injured in February if they want to win this. <laughs> well, they've got to beat yeah, Liverpool as well. Ultimately, it'll come down to those matches. I find it interesting, yeah. Gareth, yeah. You, put, you pulled out that Leicester fixture and I totally agree. Leicester, to me, um, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but they're a grudge team. Leicester love just turning up against the teams that they know they've got they've got some hoodoo against and they yes. relish in it and Vardy and he's caught he's like he's got no power it's like it's like that some Lord of the Rings thing where he's just like you've got no power here you come you can come Tanfield but this is not this is not for you mate you're just gonna have to yeah. wait for you you play for your flat track bullies or play against Arsenal get your goals against them you don't come here and 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 I, and I enjoy that and I also enjoy the Liverpool subs when there's a there's a I mean, there's a thing I watch on the touchline when they're coming on they look like players that go fuck fuck here's my chance here's my chance here's like Definitely. I want to get in this team I want to be in this 11 when you watch 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 how subs react when they come on for other teams and you get a perfect picture of what it means to play for that team you watch Man United players come on yeah interesting come on for 10-15 yeah I'll, I'll come on I'll get a 5 grand appearance money watch watch Man City players come on it's like well did you watch Gareth Bale not coming on and smiling ear to ear exactly there you go it's like it's delighted <laughs> well, to be staying on the bench well some players but again I won't be grudge with Gareth Bale anything you know I no, mean, the I'm guys joking. proved it Gareth. no you're absolutely right but those are the things I don't think you'd do that Liverpool I don't think I genuinely don't think you'd take the piss I don't think he'd be allowed to because I don't think Klopp would have signed them but I think there's, there's players that he puts on that are hungry enough that you go yeah. ability stops being come the, it's not the driver while you're on the pitch it's your work rate and it's your mentality but there you go well that's the thing that we've said this before Klopp signs players who sometimes have a bit of a chip on their shoulder which is ideal that's what you want 
you know, he, he signs players from uh, the lower leagues. Oh, Robertson's come from Hull, or Jotu has come from Wolves. He wasn't necessarily starting every game. It's they're players who want to kick on and do something. Salah was a Chelsea reject. Mane came from Southampton. You know, the list sort of goes on with them. And that is that is the drive that you need to want to succeed, and not only want to succeed, but continue succeeding once you've once you've conquered British football to keep on going season after season. Hundred percent, hundred percent, right, James? Good first half chat. Let's come back after the break and chat about the rest. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct. Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. All right, gents. We uh, we covered City. We've covered uh, Spurs. We've covered Liverpool. That's that's that done. What what else did you pick out this weekend, Mark? You were you were talking about Burnley. I mean, like I feel like we could come on to him in a minute. I want to get United yeah. and Arsenal out of the way because I've just got a bad okay. taste in my mouth and it's not the cheap lager that I'm drinking. It's just <laughs> the dross that I had to watch at the weekend. I mean, where, you, where do you want to start? Oh, I want to start at United because I know that you're okay. you can be a United. You watch the games basically. I mean, I don't even I, mm. I don't always catch the United games. The staggered football, the staggered kickoff times are an absolute treat because you always get to watch football. You just don't get to watch it all. So, um, did you? Wow. Did you uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw um, I saw United. It was a tough watch, wasn't it? Under the under the floodlights, Saturday night prime time, and that was what they served up. It was just uh, disappointing. I mean, I think we we, uh, we talk about balance a lot, and um, I'm sure we'll talk about Chelsea in a bit. And they seem to have found their balance. Jose's found uh, Spurs' way of playing and found a decent balance between attack and defence. Arsenal haven't found it at all. They're just still defending, and I think it's similar with United. I think that 6-1 loss to Spurs absolutely messed with Oli's mind to the extent that on a Saturday night against West Brom at home, a team who haven't won a game all season, he plays two holding midfielders and he leaves, all right, Pogba's injured, he's not available. He leaves Van der Beek, who's more of an attacking midfielder, on the bench and plays with, uh, what was it, Fred and uh, Matic. And I think that just as a team sheet, I think the players look around at each other and think... Okay, well, what are we doing? Why why aren't we just going more attacking? This is yep. this is, seems quite confusing. I, mean, I imagine as a player, that's what is going through their heads. As a, a spectator, I'm thinking the exact same thing. I'm thinking West Brom aren't they're not a bad side by any means, and they they have got qualities up front that can that can do damage. But this is United at Old Trafford. You, you sh- at Old Trafford, where they haven't been scoring. This is a good opportunity to get some get some goals. And instead, well, not, it just, not only not only not scoring, but just I mean, what is that? Five games of the uh, open play, uh, six games. Hmm. I don't know how many games it is, but um, it's it's, it's yeah, more than it should be. I think Sam Pilger, yeah, friend of the pod, posted that, and I was just I was absolutely gobsmacked by yeah, that. Yeah. Gareth, Gareth, did you watch the game? Yeah, unfortunately. 
Um, Listen, you've been aft Man United. Well, listen, you spent time watching them over the years, haven't you, as well? So, I mean, like, what do do you take from this performance and and what can be done to rectify it other than the obvious Ole chap? Yeah, it's, it's... it does seem like a personnel decision. He, you know, I remember the game against Newcastle a few weeks ago where it's almost like he's trying to pick his most dour and workmanlike side possible. Um, I don't know whether he's trying to make, you know, points to people like Pogba and, you know, even, you know, Tellers had to wait a very long time to come into this side. And I thought he was an immediate, you know, offensive upgrade over, over Luke Shaw, but he had to wait for Luke Shaw to, you know, do his hamstring and, and be out for, for, for six oh, but I think Teller's had uh, COVID as well. I think he had all sorts yeah, of issues with COVID. that. Um, <laughs> no, I know. It, it is a fair point, but he does seem kind of reticent to blood these players. And, you know, it does bring up the question of, you know, are these players he wanted, are these players that are being, you know, dropped yeah, yeah. his team. But, you know, uh, I thought their play improved when Cavani came on. Uh, he linked playing. You know, he's he's a he's a very straightforward number nine with, with great movement. Um, actually, probably my highlight of watching was uh, Glenn Hoddle cooing over Cavani in a manner which is uh, <laughs> almost uh, you know almost erotic. He he's a big big fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was it, it, so. It's really strange. You know, uh, West Brom, you know, genuinely could have come away with something in that game. Um, oh, they actually, deserved it absolutely. They deserved at least a point. They're worth a mention because they are the most watchable West Brom team I can remember in about 20 years. You know, yeah. they are traditionally the most sort of disinteresting, negative and reductive uh, team in the Premier League. Most most years they're here and under Billich, I mean, you know, they're not going to win many games. They're, they're too fragile. But, you know, uh, Matches Pereira is, is great. Lovely footballer. Um, he's one of those who... You know, you suspect because he gets so much of the ball and he's so central, he looks great. And there's suspicion he might not be quite as good as he, you know, sometimes indicates he could be. But he's he's a lot of fun. Um, and he's got a few of them though. They've, they've got a few. He looks great. Dean Garner, obviously, Carlin Grant's decent. I thought uh, Gallagher in the middle of the park was excellent. And I don't know how he didn't get a penalty. Midfielder in the game, I thought. Yeah, yeah, really, really impressive. But, Go on, sorry. I did. Yeah, no, it's it's just, yeah, I, I think, you know, Solskjaer needs to really think about his personnel and deploy him. It's, it almost feels like he has a system and these players work for that system and he refuses to kind of adapt the way he plays to yeah. bring in other players. And, yeah, that would be fine if he was playing well and bringing in results, but he's not doing that either. No, there's, some of his language is a little bit choice as well. Post-match is always telling, isn't it, when managers yeah. say things like, hopefully we can do better. There's a, there's a lot of hopeful language in there and it's like... Mm. Yeah, but having said this though, Grits, they have sort of... The, the pendulum of, sort of public opinion swings wildly with United and it's only last week, or whenever it was, a couple of weeks ago, they really played well against Everton away. Last week, wasn't it? And yeah. so, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like against the better teams away from home, they're pretty good. And at home against low blocks, they're not. And that's a, that's a problem they've had for ages now. I know when Bruno first came in, it looked like they'd unlocked that problem. But teams seem to have worked that out, and, and they find it very difficult. But again, you know, they could have actually scored two or three goals in that game. Rashford should have scored. Martial should have scored. And then we're saying, well, 3-0 win for United at home, pretty much standard. So, you know, maybe we're looking too much into it. We are, but uh, we can only deal with this, the results, can't we? I suppose the hypotheticals, we can uh, you can give him some 
I, I leave it with you. You can let, you can give him some leeway uh, yeah. at home, uh, but uh, you can't give him a week on week. Um, Arsenal, let's let's come on to that game because I'd, listen, I'd, I'd come on to your point, Gareth. This is a great West Brom team. I, I love the way that Billich is like. Do you know what? Let's just blow it up. Let's like you know, if if we're going to lose, we're going to go down fighting. If we're if we're going to go like t- down to ten men, let's try and nick it or do something. They they, they show no fear. And um, I hope Billich isn't, you know, cast aside for that. I would imagine it's going to be difficult for him to 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 keep his job just in the in the modern in the modern circumstances. But at the same time, I mean, I, I don't know how they could get a better manager and someone that, that knows how to get them back up. But there we go. Um, Arsenal chaps. I mean, <laughs> did we? Can we? Should we? Well, they're above Man City. <laughs> All right, they're above Man okay. City. So it's not the end of the. Uh, look, Arsenal, I, I mean, Gareth, what do you think? I, I think this is the most boring Arsenal side that I've ever seen. Because even when they were awful, when they had sort of Stepanovs and the like, at least they were fun to watch because they were conceding three a week. But this is just like, yeah, I can't work it out. Is, is it just because? Is it just because they are now learning how to defend again and haven't worked out that balance that we talked about? Or what? what is it? I, it's partly that I do think that there was a there was an assumption about the type of manager that Arteta would be, and it would be you know somewhere between uh, you know Guardiola and maybe uh, you know the Wenger team he played in, and it turns out that you know I think he's much more concerned with the fundamentals, and like you suggested, maybe that's that's sensible because they're never going to win games if they you know play with the sort of same defensive. Uh, uh, you know, lack of guile that they, they've done for years. But it does seem that, you know, trying to balance the two, you know, phases of play is, is something that's kind of, you know, escaping escaping our test at the moment. It, it doesn't help that, um, you know, they they lost quite a lot of players after the, coming out of the international break. Um, yeah. He was, I mean, he was furious. And understandably so with, with, the, with the Pepe incident, you know, Pepe is a player that he clearly doesn't trust and you know, was giving almost the kind of you know, here's your chance, show me something. And you know, I think what he got back, I oh, he showed him. <laughs> yeah, he oh, showed yeah. him. I'd be amazed if we saw much of Pepe for the rest, rest of certainly for the next few months. Quite a oh, depressing. You know? Yeah, I really do. I don't think he's a, he's particularly a, a favourite anyway. And I, I, I think that you know, you've got young players bring through like you know, like like Saka, who who I'm guessing was just rested because the amount of uh, minutes he's played recently. But you know, he'll be straight back in. Yeah, I, yeah. I find I, I watched that Arsenal team play well. I, saw, I, I think it was Martin Elian Pepe had a good game. It was in a European night. Mm. You look at players with, with promise, but then the comparison is sort of the inevitable drag back to the to Twitter and to popular opinion. And it, it came, the low-hanging fruit of comparisons, but Zaha uh, and what a signing that might have been for Arsenal. Oh, a, a redemption. He's a talisman. He's a, he's a Premier League talisman. He's someone yes. who you can you can basically build either your whole team around or certainly your front line around. Proven. He's done it at the top level. Proven. He takes games with a scruff of the neck, wins games on his own. I'm sure Pepe may have that in his locker further down the line, but I don't think he's got the ability of Zaha, and he certainly hasn't proven anything yet. No, he's going to have to go to a club and shag David Moy's daughter, like Zaha did. <laughs> and then apparently everything good happens from that. So We might have to delete that bit, Leon. Uh, you'd think so you'd think so but um, yeah, uh, uh, well I was talking purely about Man United and, and Will, Will Freud Zaha but let's let's move on from that um, 
Yeah, Arsenal. I'd also like to say Leeds, Leeds perhaps, I mean, you know, listen, it stopped the rot for them. I think it's important. I think Leeds are going to go on some sort of run at some point. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of promise in that team. There's never short of work right. Um, and, you know, I think they just need to find their feet a little bit. Uh, did you see, did you, well, what have you, what have you made of them so far, Gareth? Just um, a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, it's, I mean, I honestly don't think I would have ever seen a, a nil-nil draw for Leeds in the uh, against Arsenal, but it's 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 a different it's a different Premier League with those two teams. They they look you know they look good you know they maybe lack a little bit of quality, but given you know that they've just come up through the the championship, they probably have more quality than than you might expect. Certainly, you know a lot better than than people like Fulham and and even West Brom. It's it's you know it's still fun and refreshing to see them. You know, I. It's it it still blows my mind that unless Patrick Bamford scores and he scores a lot, then Leeds are a slightly blunted force. I, I think you know, Patrick Bamford is is maybe the story of the season so far. Oh, by by the way, Arsenal would kill for a Bamford at the moment. He gets in that team, yeah. no problem. And who who I told you get saying that at the start of the season? Get Giroud back. Arsenal get Giroud back. I mean, it's a gimme. You know, the yeah, guy's I, I probably. He's been renting out his flat, you know. He's probably left some clothes there. He can just, you know, move back to North London, you know, just maybe get in a student house for six months. He'll be fine. You know, he'd, he'd be absolutely, he'd, you know, ready-made. He'd be back in the France team for Euros. Um, gents, let's go on to, where, where are we next? I want to talk about Chef United at some point, Grits. Let, well, let's let's do that now. Do you want to do that now? Because yeah. Burnley okay. just became one of the only teams to win a game. There was three teams left, wasn't there, that haven't won a game. Yeah, yeah. Burnley yeah, done that. So only two. Burnley done that tonight. Um, so the remaining two, West Brom and Sheffield United. Now Sheffield United are a team I think we all loved from last season. Um, yes, it was, just, it was just great to watch them, wasn't it? They, they they were just, in a sense, a bit like Leeds this season, just relentless, just irresistible, weren't they? Yeah, so hard to play against, so good to watch. Um, this season, I, I know they've had a very tough schedule. Um, they played like I think all of the top four or five from last season, quite early on in the season. So, okay, they get some leeway there. But for me, I'm losing a bit of sympathy with them. They they play yesterday, was it yesterday against West Ham? At the weekend, anyway, against West Ham. Yeah. And they start with uh, McBurney and McGoldrick up front. Now, they're both players who we know aren't really prolific. I know McBurney scored, I think, 22 in the championship season for Swansea. And obviously that's a good return, but it's, it's championship. He's not really done it in the Premier League. I think he scored six last season. McGoldrick has never really scored a lot of goals in one season. So we know they're not goal scoring. They're not finishers, are they? They're not the sort of the sort of players that are going to magic something out of nothing and score a goal. They're not necessarily the sort of strikers who score one in every two chances. Okay. So you're playing with those two strikers, workman-like strikers, defending from the front. I get it. But then you can't be surprised when you're not scoring goals. And when you're leaving your club record signing, who may very well be a top-class finisher, we just don't know yet because he doesn't get game time, Rian Brewster on the bench. And they're not defending well enough that you think, oh, they're going to get a clean sheet and maybe nick one. So you know you're going to concede one, at least. So you've got to have some goal scorers on the pitch. And if they're not even trying to do that, absolutely starting to lose sympathy with them. And as much as I like Wilder, and I still think they'll pull through, I still think they'll stay up this season, but I just you want do. to see them kick on a little bit and and start playing, start playing more, I mean, it sounds obvious, what do I know? I know nothing. But try and start playing more attacking players. I mean, they've got some real quality in that team. I love Berger, I think he looks outstanding. 
Um, I just think they should be getting. It's, it's so obvious, isn't it? But getting more touches in the box. This well, is it's, at the minute. It's, it's telling that um, with with teams like that, something as simple as losing Jack O'Connell, losing one of their big centre half trio, the yeah. the foundation, but the building blocks, the cornerstone of of your team, and you lose that, then you go into this situation where. You know, people are saying that it's not fans. It's something that we've we've said, and I know very well from playing against teams like Sheffield United that their fans are the fans add up. You know, and and going to yeah. places like that can be a cauldron. Chris Wilder going through that spell where he's almost second guessing himself, isn't he? I think there's the worst thing a manager can do is start to tinker in a way that's like, as you said with Brewster, it's like just chuck him in. What's the harm? You brought him in. He's going, to, he's going to have to learn uh, sometime. And do you know what? Sometimes players like that respond best in the in the in the bloodiest of battles and you know yeah, in the, the hottest of cauldrons. Look at their look at their competitors this season. So Sheffield United currently bottom, by the way, one point from nine games. West Brom, we talked about them. Dean Garner, Pereira, Carlin Grant. They are all people that can make things happen in the final third. Even Fulham, you know, Lookman. All right, that penalty was ridiculous last week. But they've got Mitrovic who can do something. Let's talk about Burnley. Burnley, when they play Chris Wood and Jay Rodriguez like they did tonight, Chris Wood is a is a, a really good Premier League striker who's strong. He's all the things that the Sheffield United two think they are. <laughs> it's yes. just that he can finish as well, and he's he, you know he's a good goal scorer. But as well as that, they had Jay Rodriguez, who is one of those players who, as we know, as we've seen every season he's played in this league, he can make something happen out of nowhere. He can be doing nothing all game and, and put a thirty-yard volley top corner. But, That's the difference. That yeah, above them, Brighton, they've got Mope. You got Newcastle with you know uh, Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson. They've got their players that can do things. Alan Sir Maximum. They just they Sheffield United are in in real danger of grinding their way to relegation. I don't think they will, but there's a, there's a real danger of it. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the fact that the, there was a couple of strikes with Jay Rodriguez tonight. I watched uh, kind of just uh, waiting. You've been waiting for him to get this, to do something. And he was up against, because it was a real, it was a toss of coin match. Because I look at Batshuayi comes in for Zaha. You're like, well, he scored two for Belgium last week. And then I thought, yeah, yeah. well, actually, do you know what? Jay Rodriguez has had two weeks off here and he's chomping at the bit. And you've got, in the same way, Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck got everything to prove. These two guys were guys on the cusp of the England team. Probably got, you know, Jay Rodriguez, I'm sure he got drafted into a couple of squads. And then you've got uh, Welbeck, who was most certainly... You know, there was a period when he was the he was the man down the middle, and then you go, yeah, yeah. oh, you know what? These guys have had the international break. It's telling, you know. I know we talk about the five subs, talk about the, the fatigue, the injuries, but there's a few of these players that are kind of taking their chance, and and I'm all for it because you know, I, I think Danny Welbeck's been a, a, a good professional that's been really dogged by injury. I think Jerry has been really unfortunate, and what they both so, done, they, they've not been scared to go and get games, so they'll go yeah. to places to play, and I, I'm full of respect for that. Absolutely, they're players. They've got, they've got that X factor. They're the sort of in the sort of marketplace that Sheffield United should be shopping now. And I don't know what it is. Maybe 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 players are just not quite convinced that they were going to stay up this season. Didn't want to risk it. Ryan Brewster took the risk, and it, you know it might not pay off. But if you're going to take that risk on a player, pay twenty million plus for a player who they've all acknowledged is the best finisher at the club. I think you've just got to play him. You just got to chuck him in. I was yeah. going to say in, in terms of. Uh... Danny Welbeck, you, you you stole my my shout out of the week, which was uh, both for him for scoring his first goal in a very long time, but also Brighton. It's a huge win, and that was one of the most fun games of the weekend. Actually, the the game against Villa was yeah was very really good. enjoyable and um, a big win because you know their next few games uh, for Brighton are, are Liverpool, Southampton, Leicester, 
um, which none of which are obviously uh, very straightforward for them. So if they can move on, then it does leave that those four uh, teams at the bottom beneath them quite isolated, though I think the bottom three or four is already starting to take shape. Yeah, listen, I want to just get one uh, a sentence response. No, I mean, I'm not going to restrict you that because I'm already waffling on. Uh, uh, Everton and Chelsea, just a, a quick word on them. Um, Toffee's got, um, they've got a tough games coming up. They, they came up against Fulham. Again, Fulham, unfortunate, but Leeds are going, uh, sorry, um, uh, Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, Man City, Man United are Everton's next run. And that's, that's a tough one going into over Christmas, isn't it, Mark? It is, yeah, but um, Everton have shown that they, 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 yeah, but they, they have they have enough quality individuals that you think that they're they're not all games they're going to lose. They're going to get points in a number of those games. They've got some top class players there, and if they can uh, keep the ball away from Jordan Pickford, uh, they will they'll do well still. <laughs> the game against Fulham, I mean, Fulham were unlucky, but Everton could have scored six or seven in that game. Very true. Um, and Gareth, I might ask you on Chelsea because we've spoken about some of their new boys uh, at length over the weeks. Timo Werner finally coming into some sort of form that, that he promised. Yeah, he's looking really menacing. Um, I thought he played really well against uh, uh, Newcastle and was really incisive. You know, the way he created the, the goal for Tammy Abrams by, you know, just pick up the ball and running and scaring the but Jesus out of that that back line, which had been shuffled in order to you know try and stop that, and uh, you know nothing nothing seemed to work. I mean Chelsea are looking uh, a little ominous now. I, I think um, right, yeah. ZH coming in has really added dimension. It'll be interesting to see where Havertz fits back. Did in, they need Havertz? Um, maybe. Well, I th- I guess the question is him and uh, ZH. Do you need both, and how do you make that work? Um, Mason Mount's playing pretty well. He's obviously a someone that Lampard, I think, really likes, and he's I, I think Mason Mount is, is now their main guy. Having seen him the last few weeks, now he's playing a more central midfield role rather than a sort of ten or floating around. He he looks like he is the real deal in a in a midfield too. Agreed. He's growing. He's growing, isn't he? He's and definitely. also uh, Chelsea Spurs, I believe, is next week. Yes, it's so Sunday. That I think. is that's quite a big one. Well, listen, I hope to get you back on to, to mull over that and the rest of the games from next week. But um, yeah, I'm, we're, we're going to have to draw a line under this week. But a pleasure chatting to you both. Mark, can we catch you this week uh, on various channels? Uh, you can get me on Football365 on their socials and on football365.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That'll Wonderful. go out on all over the place. And also uh, my Twitch channel. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. All right, well, we hope to see you soon. Uh, Gareth, what have you been up to? You, have you been uh, musicking in time for Q4? But I don't, what do you guys call Q4? Just the it's money, very much Q4. the money tree. Yeah, we we do. It's 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 shake the money <laughs> off the trees time. Uh, making lots of Christmas themed merch. Uh, if any of you were into uh, some hats and scarves for Christmas presents, then you should go uh, check out uh, Griff Reese's forthcoming collection. It's going to be a cracker. Is his book out? Uh, his book is going to be out in three weeks. If you oh, pre-order beautiful. it from the Rough Trade shops, you'll get it for Christmas. We'll link that up. All right, listen, guys, pleasure to chat to you both. Uh, let's hope you get back on here very soon. Bye. All right. Cheers, Grits. Cheers, Cheers Gareth. That was the whistleblowers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. 
This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.